your brothers and sisters in Christ what, what makes a good servant? How do you know you're doing it right? I had a, a, a roommate that I went to school with, and while we were in school, he had this brilliant idea to write a song for this girl that he liked. This is a roommate, this is not me. He wrote this song for this girl that he liked, and shocker of all shockers, when he played it for him, and she did not like him before the song, she also did not like him after the song. In fact, I think she liked him a lot less after the song. He was embarrassed. He had gotten the order wrong. In that situation, it was called for that she should have liked him first, and then he wrote her a song, rather than him trying to write a song to get this girl that pretty much hated his guts to like him. In our lives of service, it's, it's easy to get the order wrong. It's easy to think that if we just take our, our little song before the Lord, then we can twist his arm and, and make him like us. But, but the reality is, is we're going to learn from Isaiah that that's just not, not true. You see, Isaiah has a, a mess on his hands. He is a prophet of the God Most High, and he was sent to these people of Judah in order to, to tell them to repent. And these people are just an absolute mess. They were, they were rebelling against God. As we're going to learn, they weren't treating the people around them very well. And now it's Isaiah's job, as well as a lot of prophets, to come after him to say, hey, guys, you are not who you think you are. You might think that you are God's people by birth, but the way you're acting, the way you're serving, it certainly doesn't look like you're God's people. Hear what Isaiah has to say in Isaiah chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Let's just pause there for a moment. God himself is calling his people Sodom and Gomorrah. For those people at that time, the worst people they could imagine were the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And here they hear God himself saying, no, 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 you think they're bad, you're bad. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. 
you read through all of that and you say, come on, God. Come on, God. How is, how is what they're giving to you not enough? How could you expect more from these people? Please note some of the things that, that God has, is calling to account here. God is the one that had told them to bring the fattest of their animals. God is the one that said, give me your first fruits. And unlike the people that, we're gonna hear about, that we would hear about later on in the book of Malachi who were giving God their absolute worst, their pocket change, here are these people that are giving God the best that they have. And God says, get that out of my face. Why? They use expensive incense in worship. This incense that is supposed to tell them and everyone else that God is present and that their, their sacrifice to them to him is this incense, this expensive incense. And then it rises up to the nostrils of God and God plugs his nose and says, I find this disgusting. Why? Why is it that they take their time out of their, their weeks and, and days to do these, these assemblies, these convocations, these celebrations, all in the name of God, and God says, you know what, I'm sick and tired of seeing that. Why is it that we've gotten to the point where God says, you can talk, 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 talk. You can call on my name. You can ask me for whatever you'd like. You can cry out as many times as you can. But I'm not listening. Where is this coming from? I think we're really left with, with two questions. One, what is going on here? And two, how do I make sure that God never says this about me? Hear what God says to those people. He says, take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Do you see what's going on here? These people had loaded up wagons full of all sorts of stuff to bring to God. They had, they had gotten their lives of worship in perfect order. They had, they had checked off all of the things they were told to bring to God in the temple, and they brought all of them before him. But then they would leave the, the doors of the temple, and they were greedy, and they were selfish. They were self-seeking, and they lived in that dog-eat-dog -dog world as they tried to take advantage of, of orphans and widows, as they went after what wasn't theirs. Yes, it looked by all accounts inside of the temple that their lives were in perfect order before God, and as it turns out, it wasn't even close to true. And so God says, stop it. Stop trying to trick me. Stop trying to trick those around you. Stop tricking yourself. Our relationship's not good. And you should know that. You should see that. But they couldn't. Because based on all of their sacrifices, they thought they were right. They thought that based on what they were bringing him, they could make God Love them. Today I tell you, members of peace, you can't make God love you. Try as you might, you will never, ever make God love you. 
We can't bring him enough offerings. We can't spend enough time cleaning the church. We can't give out enough smiles while we are in the grocery store. We can't give enough to the oppressed. We can't help the homeless enough. We can't be kind and compassionate enough. No matter what we do in this life, there is no way we are going to make God love us. We can't even make God like us. And that's that, that sinful idea that gets into our minds that if we just do X, Y, and Z, if we just check off things on the list, then God is going to have to look at me as, as his dear child because I have done all of the things of a child. It's those moments when we try to twist the arm of God with our works that we find ourselves actually becoming more and more distanced from him. I think a greater sin often that occurs in our church is not a lack of desire to serve. No, if there's a sin that exists in my heart and in the hearts of God's people, it's so often this idea that we can, we can serve to make God love us even more than he already does. Dear brothers and sisters, in all of the sweetest ways, that's not true. In all of the best, most beautiful ways, you cannot make your God love you more. It's impossible. We could, we could bring him all of these offerings, this life of service, and he will just see sin, heaped on sin, heaped on sin, and he says, get that out of here. Let's remove that and make room for something so much better than your sacrifice to him. Let's make room for his sacrifice for you. I'm guessing a lot of you are either going to someone's house for Thanksgiving this year or you're having people come to your house for Thanksgiving. And I was thinking about it. It's, it's sort of like, like a, a mom who's trying to get her entire family together. And, and she's got like, let's say, five grown adult kids. But she knows that two of them just don't get along. And there's this one son that causes all the problems, has friction between him and the rest of the family, and, and friction especially with dad. And so before Thanksgiving, she, she calls him on the phone and she says, hey, I really want you to be at Thanksgiving. He says, oh yeah, I'll, I'll be there. And she says, I don't want you to bring anything, nothing. All I ask is that you come ready to make peace with your dad and your family. And he says to her, I'm not going to do that, but I can bring turkey. No, 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 I really just want you to be at, at peace with the family. I want, I want it to be right. No, but I can bring the green bean casserole and the turkey if that makes it better. She doesn't care about the stuff. She wants, she wants the relationship to be right. Your brothers and sisters, your God isn't concerned about the stuff. He wants your relationship with him to be right. He wants to be able to speak these beautiful words to you. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Is there any more beautiful invitation in scripture than this one? God says, before we even talk about the things that you are going to do for me, let's settle the matter. I'm going to take care of you. 
when we start talking about what is faithful service, it is not twisting the arm of God and hoping at some point he is going to love you. It is about knowing that God has loved you first and living in that joy and peace and freedom. I mean, just imagine that invitation. You, you were stained before God. You and I came before him, and, and we looked like we were this violent scene. He says you're going to be as white as snow. He says that although we have these, these red stains of sin on us, we won't be able to see them anymore, and he can't see them either. Whenever somebody asks me, Pastor, I just don't know where to start when it comes to serving, I say, start right here. Start at this beautiful invitation of repentance and forgiveness. Don't start by trying to think of all the things that you can do for God. Start by understanding all of the things that God has done for you first. Start by knowing that he has freed you from the captivity of sin and that you don't have to fear anymore. Start with knowing that the Lord of glory is not calling you to fend for yourself and find your own salvation, but he has graciously handed it down on high from you in the form of his son's vicarious atonement, his death and resurrection for you. That service is a lot more fun, brothers and sisters. There are all sorts of people out there that are serving for their life, literally serving for their eternal life, thinking that if I don't do this, that, and the other thing, I am going to be banished into all hellfire. I tell you, dear brothers and sisters, that is not true. You serve in freedom. You serve your God knowing that you can't add to your salvation, but knowing that when we fall short, and we will have shortcomings in our lives of service, that when we do that, Our God is so graciously ready to say, don't worry, you have not even sort of affected your salvation. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, this this is faithful service. Understanding our relationship with God first, that is faithful. It comes after repentance. It doesn't come before some churches will sometimes give you like a, a top 10 ways of being a faithful servant. I don't have that for you today. I have no idea what opportunities you're going to have in your life as far as serving Jesus goes. I have no idea what opportunities exist. But I do know that when it starts with repentance, falling before God and saying, I am a sinner, but you have saved me. That's the perfect beginning of faithful service. Because that gives you the opportunity to look at the people around you just exactly the same as God found you. Sinners in need of God's love. When Samuel, the prophet Samuel, was commissioned, he spoke some of the most humble words that we hear in the Bible. God approaches him and says, Samuel, Samuel. And finally, after, after two times, the third time, Samuel looks to his God and says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That is the beginning of faithful service. 
understanding that we are nothing more, nothing less than servants of the God Most High for whom he sent his Savior to die. That's what gives us fuel. It's the only thing that gives us fuel because threats, threats and fear don't, don't have any place here. Not when we're talking about forgiveness and repentance. I said just a second ago, I'm not 100% sure how you guys can go forward and serve. I just don't know. But what I do know is that God gives opportunities to his blood-bought children. When Jesus was at a, a meal with the disciples, he looks around and he found an opportunity. He said, there are dirty, stinky feet here and they absolutely need to be washed. And so he takes off his tunic, ta- wraps a towel around his waist and just goes to town washing. He didn't, he didn't wring his hands. He didn't wonder, you know what? Uh, am I the one that's supposed to do that? Is he supposed to? I'm not sure. One of us is supposed to do this. I'm not sure I've got the gifts and abilities. Am I the best foot washer here? No, he saw the need and he said, you know what? These feet need to be washed. And although one of these other guys probably should do it, I'm going to do it. That's faithful service. I don't know what the opportunities are, but I know over the course of the next week, you're going to have opportunities to faithfully serve the people in your lives, the people whom you're most close to. That in, in those, those weeks leading up to Christmas and Christmas itself, you will have an opportunity to do what so many people in these times refuse to do, to show, show kindness and love rather than wrath and irritation. You're able to serve in, in a, a cacophony of ways. There's almost no limit to, the, to the, the ways that you are able to serve because there is no limit to the needs of the other people in your life. But dear brothers and sisters, I say again in the most beautiful way, don't you dare think that that's going to affect your relationship with God. Not for the better and not for the worse. That relationship has been sealed by Christ's sacrifice. That's how we serve. Not as ones trying to appease our God, but as ones for whom appeasement has already been made. I don't want to serve any other way. Amen.